Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Good morning. Welcome to those online. It's always a pleasure to have you join us as well. Um, Today, Jaira kind of talked about it. That song, Praise, really encapsulated it. We're going to talk about worship as a weapon and uh, using the praises. But, you know, when we talk about this as a, as a weapon, and I know it fits in our, our month of prayer and fasting. I know that's over technically, but we have a couple more messages. Uh, we're not done because prayer and fasting isn't just something we do in January. Anyways, it's a spiritual discipline that's going to help you engage your faith with Jesus all throughout the year. Uh, mind you, we do focus on it lots in January. So what we've been looking at these last couple of weeks, and, and we will again this week, are different things that are going to aid having an effective prayer and fasting life so that you can effectively engage in prayer and fasting, persevere in prayer, so that you can find life, find Jesus, and know God more. So that's the whole purpose of what we're doing. And today what we're talking about is a, is a weapon that I think, you know, and I know praise isn't just a weapon. That's not all it is. It's about knowing God. Like all the disciplines, the primary purpose is so that you can know God more. However, I think worship and praise in particular, singing, is, is one of the more underutilized uh, by Christians today. I'm not saying we don't sing. I'm just saying using singing and song to praise the Lord and using it as a weapon. I think it's often underutilized. I think it can get shelved to something we do, thankfully, corporately before a service. That's always good. I always enjoy that. And then we end the service that way, right? It's just, it's the bookends. But it's much more than the bookends. And that's what we're going to look at. I mean, this weapon here, I, I mean, not only is it powerful, but the counterfeit of it has wreaked havoc both in the church and in the world. Because the enemy counterfeits any good gift and tool that God gives us, the enemy will counterfeit. And we see that in media, we see that in music, and it's powerful. But this weapon, the kind of power that I'm, I will promise, I know I made some promises last week, and I will finish last week's message next Sunday. Right? <laughs> it's okay. I, this is how I roll, okay? So those who work with me know that. <clears throat> But it works that way. So anyways, um, this weapon of, war, of, of worship is going to aid you in persevering prayer. I know Pastor Ray talked about that, and we want to grow in persevering prayer. But it's hard to persevere in prayer. It's hard to keep going. Um, and so, and, I, and I'm not, I'm speaking from experience, and I use worship lots. <laughs> in fact, if, you, if any of you are on my path where I walk my dog, you will see me either praying or worshiping, and sometimes I do it when kids are getting ready for school. That is not a good thing, because they come up on this guy that sings and talks to himself with the dog. But anyways, aids you in persevering prayer. How about strengthen you in hardship? Is there anyone here that needs to be strengthened through something you're going through? Connecting you with the presence of God, increasing your faith. We're just looking at spiritual things right now. Changes your focus, changes your perspective. How about reducing levels of anxiety and depression and flooding your heart with peace? You know, it can improve your well-being, even delicate systems like your immune system. Studies have shown music can do that. It's powerful. Plus, it can give language. Often we struggle with things going on inside and we don't know how to give language to those things and thus we don't know how to process them and when you can't process them they stay bottled up inside that's always toxic music has a way of giving language to your soul you feel it right even the person that's not 
expressive can connect to music or stories, right? Like that, but, but we connect. It connects to us in a way that moves us. So that's what we're talking about today is worship as a weapon. And I think it's time that, that the church dusts off some of those powerful weapons that we've been given and uses them to advance kingdom. But before we go further, we should do a church-wide prayer. Amen? Okay. There it is. Life on mission is what we're praying for today. Now, the personal one, just very, very quickly, I'm going to fly through this because I, I don't want to talk about it lots, and I'll, I'll keep giving you instructions. But that personal goal is each one reach one. And what would happen if 500, uh, 500 people in our church, or 1,000, but even 500 said yes to each one reach one and began to use their lives to fulfill the Great Commission and Great Command? I think we'd see a revival. That all said, this last week, I have had probably close to 10 different people share with me their steps for each one reach one that, that, that God's laid on their heart. So it's happening. You guys are doing it. Keep doing it. It's as simple as you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. It's as simple as can anyone in here pray for somebody else by name? Is there anyone in here? There's a few of you? Come on, help me out. Can any of you in here pray for someone by name? You can do it. Okay, you can do it. Can you encourage someone? Are you, are you able to do that? Encourage someone? All right. Can you serve them? Can you show them love? All right, can you share your life with them? You're already 90% there. Now you pray for opportunities to also share your faith, but that'll come. God will give you those opportunities and you share your faith too. Okay, it's, it's that simple. That's how it starts, but it starts with prayer. So that's that. I won't say much about the other ones. Um, you'll see we're continuing to pray for Israel and we'll keep doing that. And then lastly for us to grow in asking, seeking, and knocking in prayer. Amen? All right, if you're visiting here, welcome. Glad to have you join us. We like to pray out loud to begin our services. So you don't have to join out loud. You can join quietly in your heart or not at all. For the rest of us, this is home. Let's pray in three, two, one.
Lord, my prayer is simple. We pray for two things. One, we pray for peace in Jerusalem. And we tell you that we long for the day when you come and establish your, thro your throne on David's throne, that, that forever throne, you will reign over us. That's gonna be wonderful. But we pray for peace in Jerusalem. And Lord, we ask that you would turn this place into a, a healthy community, Lord, where we would be the type of people that wouldn't be cliquish and tribal, but rather we would demonstrate to those that you are trying to save the kind of love that caused you to lay down your life while we were still sinners. Thank you, Lord, that we were once enemies of the cross. You reconciled us to yourself. Lord, give us a desire and the ability and the opportunities to go out and now be part of that wonderful mission of reconciling people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Then now uh, we're going to jump right straight in uh, because we are going to do a bit of a practicum at the end, right? So I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully we'll have lots of time for that if I don't take too long. Luke 4, verse 8. Now, Jesus is responding to, to Satan here. Um, so we'll just pause on that for a moment. But he says something. He's quoting the Old Testament. You shall, say it with me. Worship the Lord your God, and him shall you serve. Love that. The enemy's trying to tempt him, and he's firing back with Old Testament scriptures. And he's very, very clear. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So we'll just talk about some stories because this whole singing thing, I know we can have different ideas of singing and its importance and maybe you love, love singing, maybe you feel like you're terrible at it so you don't want to do it. Maybe you just don't enjoy it. Regardless, let's talk about it. My story as an unbeliever uh, coming to church. Now we weren't in this sanctuary, we were in the old sanctuary which is now the, now the perk over there. Uh, but I do remember where I would have been sitting. We were kind of sitting on this side, kind of in the middle where the young people are sitting now. And I remember sitting there hating the music. Like, I really thought it was terrible. I was into totally different stuff. I was into heavy metal at the time. So this stuff was like, mm, was lacking a lot of guitar and growling. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> but I didn't like it. But for some reason, it would, it would stir something in me, and I'd, I'd feel like this need to cry and I didn't know what it was and I hated it because I, didn't, I wasn't a cry type of person. I wasn't a crier and I didn't even know why I would cry anyways. You don't even like this movie. Maybe, maybe that's why I was crying because I didn't like it. It was that bad. No. No, God was doing a work in me but he was reminding me of something. I didn't know what it was right at the time but he was reminding me of a time before I had walked away from him of a time when I was young when there was innocence. I don't know if you guys ever have those, those different things that remind you of those innocent years, you know, when you're single digits. Those innocent years when you just didn't know the, the hardship of the world. And he was reminding me of that, those times when I longed for his presence, but forgotten, I had forgotten all about that. I had repressed it. It was so deep down inside. And so, like I said before, it was giving me language. As I sat there, it was giving me language, and I didn't even understand what was happening. But that's what led to my, my salvation story. And I won't give that whole thing now. Um, but when I was, you know, it was the one song, Come Just As You Are. I don't know who sings that. Is that Matt Redman or Chris Tomlin? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But um, it was that song that was really getting me. And so I pirated that song. Uh, we burnt discs. Young people, I don't know if you know what that is. CDs, right? <laughs> and then you burn them. Like your computer, you'd have a writer, and then you burn them on there. That was like new technology. It was pretty amazing. This is way before MP3s was a thing or streaming. But uh, anyhow, I got this, this disc, and you had to pirate it because it wasn't free at the time. And so I got, you know, this Christian music on there, and I'm like, I got to go by myself 
into a place where no one can see me clearly because no one wants to cry. Well, maybe I, I just didn't anyways. I didn't want to cry here in front of a bunch of people. It made me feel terrible. And so I went behind Industrial Park, behind Lowen Windows, where, when no one was there on a lunch hour, and I put it in my Mazda Protégé and the CD player in there, and I began to listen to the song, and I began to weep and sob. And that's part of my story because up until then, you, you see, I had that innocence from, from being young and wanting to lay my life down for Jesus the way he did for me, and then the betrayal that I felt when my mom was sick and I didn't understand why. So I felt betrayed. So I walked away from him and I spurned him and I actually, I wanted to hurt him the way he had hurt me and my family. And so here I am now listening to this song, beckoning me to come just as you are and I'm, I'm torn up inside and I don't even know why. It's accessing something that I don't even know how to think about. So I'm listening to it in there, and it's that, it's that spot, it's in that space, that quiet space, in that worship moment where God begins to speak to me, and he says, Stefan, I know who you are. He knew my name. He knew me. And he knew what I had done, and all the things that I thought had now canceled out, you know, even if I did want to come back. Well, now I knew better. I had done too much wrong. There's no way he's going to take me back. And yet he says, I know what you've done. And I love you anyways. I came undone. I had never heard anything so outlandish that someone so horrible like me was worth saving, but also worth loving. I didn't have space in my head, in my experience, to understand, to reconcile how that worked. It made no sense. But it did make me want to do something, and that was run home to my, and I've shared that before, speeding, you know, speeding, yeah, it was bad. Speeding through town, hoping I didn't get into an accident and die, so I could get to my bed. I was a little rusty on how you give your life to Christ. I thought you had to kneel at your bedside. I was getting some of the things wrong, you know, you kneel before bed. Yeah, anyways. Get home, open the door, I don't even know if I close it, run up to my room, fly, like just throw myself at the foot of my bed, and give my life to Jesus beautiful thing is worship where God grabbed my heart you know my parents in uh, they just had an empower by the way this last weekend anyone in here from the empower on the weekend Chris I see you there's a bunch of you guys oh yeah solid <laughs> that's so good I missed being there I almost came last night but I was tired so I didn't <clears throat> but anyhow we'll have our own little thing at the end here but one of the stories we often shared there is my parents' story when my mom was, I don't know which brain surgery it was. It might have been number eight. Or maybe it was number seven. It was somewhere in there. She's had 10. And it's, it's one of those where they had flown, now they're in Philadelphia, and they're there, and not to sound, you know, ominous, but they're having what could be their last supper. So surgery's the next day, and, they, you know, you stop eating by midnight or whatever. So surgery's the next day. They go out for soul food. Soul food for my mom and dad is pizza, as it is for most people. I mentioned barbecue chicken last week. Uh, it's passed down generationally. And that's not a bad thing to pass down generationally. It's, it is good. Anyways, they're there in that pizzeria, and not, not having the words. I don't know if you've ever had that. Maybe, maybe you haven't faced something this big yet. Some of you have. Those moments where you run out of words, where you don't know what to say. You don't know how to face what you're facing. Your strength is gone. You don't know the right step. 
You know, you, you love God and you trust him, but you're wondering why, you're wondering what's the outcome. And you're sitting there quietly in that pizzeria and on the jukebox, jukebox, if you young people know what that is anyways, jukebox, sorry, I'm always poking fun. Just because I'm starting to feel old, I'm finally getting to that spot. <clears throat> Barely. And on the jukebox comes a rendition of Jesus Loves Me by Whitney Houston. Happens to be one that has ministered to them before that they absolutely love. And they sit there in this pizzeria with tears streaming down their face. Because in that moment, Jesus is divinely meeting them. In their moment of need, giving them strength. They had no idea if mom was going to make it through the surgery, if it would be successful. It wasn't entirely successful as it wasn't the last one. <laughs> But they had no idea, is she going to be alive? Is she going to have, you know, what if they make a mistake? It's the brain. There could be permanent dysfunction. Like, is she going to be the same person? They don't know. But in that moment, they have hope because they know Jesus is with them. You know, as they tell the story, they went to put it on for a second time, repeat, right? And it wasn't on the jukebox. And when they asked the, the waitress, you know, how to access the song, she said, it's never been on there. Just a little I love you gift from the Lord in song. Now, it would have been about a year and a half ago, I think, now, but my youngest daughter was telling me that she had had a moment listening to, she's at my in-laws in Jeru, and she's listening to Better Wine. It's a worship song. Um, and she's thinking about, you know, what it would be like one day, you know, to be married. What's, it, what's that going to be like? And and what would that look like? And thinking about having someone that, you know, longed after her and desired after her, right? Very normal thing for people to think about. And it's like as the music is playing and the lyrics are going on that suddenly the Lord captivates her heart because she realizes he has that passionate desire for her. He sees her, just her, and wants her. It's individual. You know God so loved the world? And that feels good, right? God so loved the world. But there's something about him looking at you and saying, I know your name. I see you. I want you. And in that moment, she finds herself on the floor with him and turning from her own struggles and sin and finding strength in Jesus. And she says it just felt like he gave her a hug. One of my basically blood brothers sitting right here, Hector, we, we showed his testimony, I think, last year sometime. It's on the website. So if you haven't seen Hector's testimony, go on the website under stories and just look at it and be encouraged. But Hector's life, I mean, following God, doing all that stuff, but at the same time has this growing despair and depression that's brooding and, and going and turning to the bottle, turning to alcohol to try to numb that pain. Still doing a lot of good things over here, working really hard, raising a family, but then numbing that pain on this other side and, and slowly spiraling down. And he'll tell you the whole story. But finally getting to the place where he made a decision. Like, am I going to keep going to the bottle or am I going to turn to Jesus for strength. That's a scary thing to do, isn't it? Hector put down a bottle, he picked up a guitar, he began to worship. And he said, like, something changed in him. He was able to let go. He hasn't touched alcohol since. He found freedom. What was the inner healing that he did? Well, he did, he worshiped. You know, I have I remember many times, actually, in the, especially in that first year, where he would actually talk about going to worship like, oh, I need to worship right now. I need to pick up that guitar. <laughs> right? 
You know, last week we talked about standing on the word being a daily activity. Manna gives you enough for one day, but it doesn't give you enough for the week. All the disciplines are like that. Worship is like that. Right? I mean, it gives you that moment. You have that moment where your heart connects to God, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It probably just happened for many of you just a few moments ago. And you get those selahs, those moments, those pauses, where it's like time suspends. And it just stays still. You feel peace. You feel his presence. It's like your focus is clean and pure. It's back onto Jesus, where it should be. And then you go back to life, and it's like, it, it's like that moment passed, Right? But that's normal. That's how he sets it up. He does it to draw us into his presence if we'll continue going there. You know, the walls of Jericho, they didn't sing, they shouted, but they shouted to the sound of instruments, trumpets, blasting music. Often it was the musicians leading the way into battle. Paul and Silas here about midnight says Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. I love that. You're in prison, and this is your response. We are praying and singing. You see those two together? You're going to find saints doing that all the time. Those two together. They pray and they sing. They pray and they sing. Anyways, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there's a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I imagine that must have been something else. We've never felt that here. Not to that level. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And the jailer, I, I shortened it just, you can go look at the whole story yourself, but the jailer, upon waking up and seeing that everyone's left, he's going to go and fall upon his own sword because that's a better fate than what awaited him uh, for letting all of the captives free. And that's when Paul cries to him with a loud voice, don't harm yourself, we're all here. <laughs> right? God opened the doors, God set the captives free, but we didn't leave. And then they go on to lead that man to Christ. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Their enemy reconciled to the cross. But that started with worship. It's as they're singing hymns to God. You know, we rightly teach, rightly, the disciplines like prayer, pray without ceasing, fasting. Jesus expected us to fast when you fast. Right? They didn't fast while he was there, but when, he, when they left, when he, he said when the bridegroom leaves, then they will fast, right? When they fast. Reading and obeying the word, that's another one that's, that's expected. Meditating on scripture, I was, I was re reviewing Joshua 1 verse 8 today, right? Meditate on the law day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is commanded within it. Then you will find your way, then you will make great success and find your way prosperous. Yeah. Totally. We're also called to worship. Colossians 3, 15 to 16 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body, and be thankful. That's one form of worship. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of thankfulness to God in your hearts. And if you just go, I mean, go through the Psalms. The Psalms were songs. You go through Deuteronomy. I think it's Deuteronomy 31. I should have checked that and put it in here, but I didn't have time. Um, but Moses' big declaration is a song to the people of Israel. Music, right from the beginning, was one of the ways that God has always moved. He inhabits the praises of his people, right? It's a beautiful thing. So my question again, and I said it before, I wonder how many Christians, maybe even in here today, Limit their time in worship to Sunday mornings. 
or maybe just don't like it at all. If you're like me and you thought, well, I mean, I don't really like that style of music because it's about our <laughs> style. And I get it, by the way. I'm not saying that we should just sing songs that we don't enjoy. We're supposed to sing with joyful lips, so it's good to find a melody that you enjoy. That's a good thing to do. With the heart and lyric towards exalting the name of God high above our lives, right? It's a beautiful thing. But I wonder how many of those that limit worship to Sunday mornings also struggle with feeling a connection to God. Wondering why it seems like he says, come to me and I will give you rest, and they never feel it. All they feel is hardship. All they feel is stress and toil. And I'm not talking about, you know, just sing a song and then everything's going to be fixed in your life. Right? Remember, we've talked about other disciplines, prayer and fasting and standing on the word. Right? Those, these are all part of it. We're talking about another one, using worship, the joyful praise from your lips, singing back to God. But persevering prayer, I wonder how many people in here struggle with that. And yet they haven't tried opening their mouths in worship. Now, I like to do what I'm not saying what I am saying because I can avoid myself getting some emails. So what I'm not saying is, sing today. We're going to sing three songs at the end. Well, I'll give lots of time for it, actually, because I want to be able to really focus on getting some scripture in us, doing exactly what I like to do in my prayer times, even sometimes on my walks, right? We focus on scripture. We focus on what the theme of that song is about. And I weigh my heart. I pray back to God. And then I sing. And it's like a full connect your heart to God kind of moment. It's wonderful. So I'm not saying do that once, and your entire life is going to change. And you won't have any struggles, and you'll walk in peace all the time, and you'll never feel anxious, you'll never feel stressed, because Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane felt so much anxiety that he dropped sweat or uh, droplets of blood from his sweat glands, right? So I, I, can't, I can't go and promise you that, but I will promise you this, that a lifestyle of worship will produce the things that we talked about in the beginning of the message. A lifestyle of worship will produce peace that passes understanding in the, in the worshiper themselves. A lifestyle of worship will grow the worshiper in a relationship with God. It will. Now, it may not be intuitive like a lot of other things. You know what? When I feel anxious in that moment, you know what I don't feel like doing? Worshiping. That's not when I feel like doing it. It's also the time that I often don't feel like praying. In that moment, you know what I usually want to do? Veg on something. Feed, like feed on something unhealthy. Maybe get some sugar in me or watch something, go on my phone and scroll to try to like distract myself. But that only feeds the anxiety. See, some of the inheritance that God has given each one of us to walk in, and we haven't given an inheritance. We're called children of God. That's what it says in 1 John 3. And he, and he goes on to say, and that is what we are whether the world recognizes it or not. Those who believe are children of God, and as children, we are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. And there are things we are heirs to, but not all of the promises of God just come immediately because you believe. There are tools, there are disciplines, there are things that aren't always intuitive, and they aren't always. Because the weapons of our warfare aren't like the weapons of the world. We often feel like we go down to go up, up to go down, back to go forward. It's the inside, outside, upside down kingdom, right? I think Missy Edwards said that. Yeah, we, that's often how it feels. 
Normally, the weapons we've been given require a large dose of humility and at least a small dose of faith. Because it requires you to step outside of what makes sense, to submit yourself underneath God and say, Lord, I don't have anything without you. I am nothing without you. When we worship, we connect our hearts to a living God. Think about that. Psalm 100 says, We enter his gates with thanksgiving and our heart is courts with praise. Ephesians 6, 12, we've used this lots, but we have to remember it because we, we forget it right away. You'll leave here, I'll leave here, not just you. We'll leave here and forget what this verse says. That we are in a war and our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual authorities and principalities in the heavenly realms. There are actual spiritual forces at work right now in the world. And one of the best things that the enemy, remember, he is called the father of, do you remember? Lies. That's it. Father of? Lies. So he's always working. His number one strategy in you always is deception. Always deception. Now, what he's deceiving you on will change. But he's always trying to deceive. So anything that is true, he's usually trying to deceive us in the opposite direction. Scripture says we're in a war. He wants to just satanic lullaby. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. There's nothing going on. Just live for you. So we too are in a war. The battle's already begun. We see it in our personal lives. We see it in the culture. We see it in the news. It's all over the place. Plus it's in Scripture. But we see it with our eyes. It passes the reality test. So let's use every weapon at our disposal. Prayer, fasting, scripture, love, and worship. Uh, Eric, our new exec pastor, had said this, and I loved it. I put it on here. Many Christians, unfortunately, are walking out of the armory with nothing in their hands. You know, we come here, we've been given all of these tools, all of these weapons that have, according to scripture, divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power. Not just like, you know, Human power, even thinking about some of the human weapons that we've devised that are pretty powerful, Scripture says, no, 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 those things are nothing in comparison. They're nothing. They knock down little human walls. These things knock down spiritual strongholds. Mankind has not devised any weapon, nuclear or less, that can demolish a, a demonic stronghold. But the weapons of our warfare do just that. And not only do they demolish those strongholds, they connect us to the very living God himself so that we can know him. That alone, that possibility should cause, you know, scales to fall from our eyes at the possibility of what, of what could be ours if we'd walk in it. Tortured by Christ, Richard Wormbrandt, if you know who that is. Um, I was going through, and by the way, I have links on the, page, on the notes if you want to go online. I have a bunch of stats that I'm going to put up there and, and quotes um, that uh, I'm going to read three from this one page that had probably two dozen of different people that were using uh, worship and how God was meeting them, different saints and famous kind of Christians or whatever through the ages. It's pretty amazing. And some of the famous ones are not people that we knew, but they were heroes in, in their own right. Heroes, why? Because they were faithful to the end. That's what a hero is, faithful to Jesus to the end, to the best that a human can be. All right. Richard Wormbrandt, he reflects on his years in, pr in prison 
and the believers would joyfully sing even when they were beaten for it. You can actually, you can read, it's a short book, you can read it. It's very, very encouraging, the whole thing. Or if you like picture books, like moving picture books, also called movies, you can go on Prime, it's on there too. It's on, you can stream it. Uh, Torture for Christ, very good, very moving, very real. Maybe you'll say the quality isn't great, but the story makes up for the lack of quality. It's dynamite. But they would get beaten for it, regularly beaten, and they wouldn't stop praying, they wouldn't stop singing. And they reported afterwards that, that the only thing that they can describe it, like it was divine, what, the way God would meet them in this prison where they were being tortured, but the way he would meet, he says, the only thing we've ever, I can compare it to is read Acts. We lived it. You know, it's, it, like, what, do these, what do these saints know that go through horrific circumstances and come out and say, I wouldn't, I miss it. I wouldn't change anything. What, what did they experience? What did they access? It's nothing more than all of our inheritance. We all have that access through the blood of Jesus. We all have it. It's pretty incredible. My Life, um, my life and Story, it's, it's a book of gospel hymns by Ira Sankey. And there she found singing the doxology brought peace and kingdom perspective. So peace and kingdom perspective to prisoners in the infamous Libby prison during the American Civil War. They would just sing the doxology. And peace and perspective. It's like everything changed. Peace and perspective. Nothing changed, but everything changed. Interesting those moments, aren't they? Captive in Iran, uh, Maryam Rastampur, and she talks about she was losing the assurance that God was with her in prison. I can't imagine anything more devastating than that. You're already in prison. It's not a good, a good prison either. And now you're losing that assurance that God is with you in that moment of despair. You're in a moment of total despair. I mean, that's as hopeless as it gets when you're in those kind of prisons. And now she's losing that hope that Jesus even sees her and is with her. And so she's crying out to him in prayer that he would show her a special way, like, do something, Lord, like, show me that you're here, I just need something. Well, he led her to sing hymns in her tiny cell, and she says, as she would sing hymns, the Lord would flood her soul with peace that passes understanding. Remember we talked about that Selah? There's like a pause. You, you got lots of stress going on, you got your chaos, you got life going on, and you begin to sing, and something happens when you let yourself. It's not just being in here when others are doing it, it is it. You can resist it, but when you let yourself, when you let your heart engage, something happens, and it's like the things of earth go dim. It's like they stop, just for a moment, they stop. And we should expect that too, because really we're just living, it's in song version in Philippians 4. Right? And that's how we were promised to get the peace of past understanding. Anyways, I think... There's many more stories you can look online as well. I put the link on there if you want to go and check them out. My suspicion, and it's more than a suspicion, my belief is that there are people in here today that God wants to set free to worship, that he wants them to experience his presence. That you've been crying out for peace in the chaos of your life, and he has been trying to answer it if you will humble yourself and sing and give him glory. That's my suspicion. So, what is a lifestyle of worship? Reverence, by the way, worship is reverence and adoration. And we are people of worship. Idolatry is worship. So we are to be careful. You will worship something. We are to be very careful and guard our hearts on what we worship. 
But worship is reverence and adoration. That's what it is. And there's different ways. Now we're talking specifically about song, and I'll get on to why I think song is important. But there are other ways you can worship. There are. Being thankful in all circumstances. That is a biblical command, and that is worship. <laughs> right? When you can especially, I don't know if you've gotten to that place yet. It took, when I was 10 years ago, I wasn't there yet. You know, I remember getting, you know when you're starting to work on thankful in all circumstances? Like, it's easy to be thankful when God gives you something good, right? You get a raise, thankful, praise the Lord, right? You have strong and good health, praise the Lord. Oh, thankful in all circumstances is so easy. Until you lose your job and your health. Is he still good? I remember, you know, that's when it starts getting that discipline. I, I still remember getting to that spot where in the moment I would complain. I'd be like the Israelites in the, in the desert. <laughs> we're, we're all like that. And then afterwards, I'd go back, oh yeah, thankful in all circumstances. And I would start trying to pick apart, like, okay, what was good about that? And I'm like, no, no, nothing was really good about that. Uh, thank you, Lord, for that not good experience. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever said that. I have in my journal. That's why I'll never let you guys read my journal. No one is allowed. I die, burn those things. <laughs> that should be in my will. Burn the journals. <laughs> Anyways. Then you get to that spot, though, where you begin to actually, when you have that discipline of looking for what God is doing, and then you're getting into the Word, and you're getting into worship, and you're getting into prayer, you're getting to know Him, you start seeing that He does all things for His glory, and He also does what is right and good for you and those around you. And it begins to be a beautiful thing where you start realizing that many of the limps He allows in your life are the very thing that keep you dependent on Him. They're gifts. But it's hard. It's hard to learn that in the moment, right? But that's being thankful in all circumstances. What about sacrifice and obedience? Romans 12 says, um, right? It says, therefore, brothers, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Well, that's worship right there. Spiritual sacrifice, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. They would have known the imagery, and if, in case you've lost that a little bit, it was they would slaughter animals, it was bloody, on the altar to pay for sin. Jesus was the pure and spotless lamb. That's why we don't have to do that anymore. Amen? Glory to God for that. But the point is, Paul then says in Romans, but that expectation is still on you to climb up on that altar to lay yourself down as a, a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for God. That is spiritual worship. In Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. That's another way of saying the same thing. We climb up on a cross and die. It's often what we talk about here. Climb up on an altar, climb up on a cross. The point is self-sacrifice. We lay down, we obey. You know, that can look like a lot of things. Maybe it's giving up finances. Maybe a lot of you do that here. You guys are very generous. You give up lots of time. You guys are... <laughs> I got pictures this morning that we were talking about as a leadership team that were incredible, but seeing our volunteers hard at work early in the morning to pull this service off, to serve you guys. It's incredible. You guys are part of that. It's, it's wonderful. You guys are very good. Okay, that is worship. That is worship. Guaranteed that is. But it goes beyond that. I mean, even things like, sometimes we look at, so obedience is worship, right? Obedience is worship. So, now, sin, obviously, is not worship. That's sin. And Jesus had to die for that, so we should never be cavalier about that. We are sinners. We are depraved. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. However, do you know that 
following. When you have sinned, getting up, confessing your sins, repenting, turning from that, and trying again, that is an act of worship. It's obedience. It's hard sometimes to forgive yourself, to receive grace, when you know you don't deserve it. And you just keep on going. Why? Because he's worth it. It's not about you, it's about him. He's worth it. He's worth another step in my life. What about, I'm sure with the stats, there's going to be people in here, young and older, that struggle with same-sex attraction. What could worship look like there? How about denying that impulse in you that would draw you into sin, that would draw you towards death? Denying that, putting that down, putting it to death and saying, no. Lord, whatever is your way is my way, even if it hurts, especially when it hurts. To the cross, Lord, to the grave. Worship. That's worship. Maybe no one else will see that worship, but the one who matters will see it. He sees it. How about standing up for the unborn? Or standing against things like made? Even when it costs you popularity or jobs? Worship. That's worship. It is. Because those are image bearers that you are standing for and you're willing to put personal cost to the side because you will stand for those created in God's image, that they have the right to live. Using your free time to advance Christ's kingdom, you guys do a lot of that. Worship. Each one reach one. That's just a funny like, catchphrase. I like to give catchphrases. You might know that about me by now. <laughs> but I like that because it helps me remember what I'm supposed to do. I do it for me, now I'm just passing it on to you. It's just Great Commission, that's all it is. It's the base level of the Great Commission. Each one reach one, right? It means that I'm at least going to disciple one person towards Jesus, however long that takes. That's what that is. Each one reach one. It's the base level. You commit to doing that, you start, you're like, oh, I've been doing it and it's not working. You're doing it, that's worship. Okay, now I've got to move forward. Singing is the other one. Making joyful sounds with your lips. I love that. That's Psalms. There's a bunch of Psalms that talk about that, right? I will use my lips to make, and my mouth to make a joyful sound to the Lord. That's what worship is all about, right? We sing and make a joyful sound to the Lord. So, now we're going to look at this weapon. Now, the music is a weapon. Regardless of the music that you're listening to. It is like a weapon. It has power. It does. And we're going to look at that in, in a few different ways here uh, as we go forward before the practicum, okay? So music has that. So I'm going to rip through here really fast. When we're using it in worship, it's like taking a sword and plugging it into something that's stronger than a nuclear power source. See it like that, right? You like that imagery? Maybe some of you do. Some of you are like, that's lost on me. Okay. I loved the imagery thinking about it. I was thinking about this green glowing sword when I was thinking about that. It was awesome in my mind. It's lost on some of you. Okay, when I first learned about the power of music was when we were uh, studying with uh, Dr. Jim Wilder and we were learning about attachment, secure attachment, insecure attachments, that kind of stuff, and walls, triggers, uh, defenses that we put up, relational hurts, trauma, all that kind of jazz. We're learning about all of that and how the brain is like, basically we, we learned how fragile the human beings actually are and how the person that you think of as yourself is really a filtered you know, list of your experiences and all that kind of stuff. Long story short... We learned something very interesting about the power of song and stories. 
Music and stories have the ability to bypass all of your fears, walls, defenses, and insecurities and go straight to that conscious self. It could bypass it. And we know this to be true. You'll watch people that are totally dismissive by nature, never emotional by any standard, and somehow they watch a movie and they're crying. Why? You never cry for anything else. Right? You can feel nothing ever, but music somehow expresses something in you. Why? It bypasses all of those safeguards that are trying to keep you safe, that also keep you isolated and alone. Bypasses all of it. It's powerful. It's incredible. That's why I said earlier that I think the enemy has used it more effectively than we have as Christians. We can flood our minds and our hearts with garbage. I'm not saying it's all bad, by the way. I'm not saying secular music is all bad. Don't hear me saying that. But a lot of it is. I am saying that you should be a little more careful with what you allow into your heart and mind and home. For sure. Okay. Let's go in here. Music. Bypass. Okay? Look at, look at these quotes. Oops. Didn't. What did I press there? If you want to firm up your body, head to the gym. Good idea. If you want to exercise your brain, listen to music. There are a few things that stimulate the brain. There are a few things that stimulate the brain the way music does. If you want to keep your brain engaged throughout the aging process, listening to or playing music is a great tool that provides a total brain workout. In fact, they have studies that have shown that with Parkinson's, you lose mobility that in moments with music, especially music from your past, stuff that was linked to movement from your past, it can restore temporary movements while you're listening to the music, which they don't totally know how it works, but they've done lots of research on it, also helping with Alzheimer's patients. Wild, right? Research has shown that listening to music can reduce anxiety, blood pressure, and pain, as well as improve sleep quality, mood, mental alertness, and memory. It's a weapon, like I said. If it is language, music is the language of feeling. Musical rhythms are like life rhythms. So when there's tensions or resolutions, crescendos, major and minor keys, delays and silent interludes with the temporal of unfolding events, so it, it doesn't present us with a logical language, but to quote Langer, it says it reveals the nature of feelings with a detail and truth that language cannot approach. It goes deep right to the core, passing your trauma. Music can do that. That's so why I said in the beginning it's an underutilized weapon of the enemy, or underutilized for Christians, I think. Not all of you. But I think we can learn to use it more and more effectively. But it's a very effective weapon in the, in the hand of the enemy. So we're going to quickly, yep, I'm just going to run through this, and then we are going to jump right into the practicum. That's where we're going to end. We're going to actually practice using worship as a weapon. We're going to engage our hearts. So, Five things that you can know about the power of music, and you'll see each one is tied to a truth about music in general. But then one thought on how worship can, can use that to, you know, connect you with God. So first one, bypasses our fears, cognitive beliefs, defensive walls, emotional defenses, and et cetera, et cetera. In worship, it allows us to experience peace that passes understanding. Because your understanding may leave you with anxiety. Your understanding of the world is scary because of how your past went. And, and the future doesn't look hopeful. And I, I get that. And so, so you feel anxious. That's what you feel in the moment. But when Jesus says he wants to give you peace that passes understanding, it means it passes that understanding. Your understanding, interpretation of the world that causes you to isolate and withdraw inside yourself. 
Worship. Music. He says, worship, you're, you're not just bypassing it on a secular thing. You're bypassing it and allowing your heart at the deepest levels to connect with God who created you and loved you unto death. Incredibly. Reminds us of our past successes and failures, right? It can access all sorts of your past wounds. It totally can. You've got to be careful with music that way, right? Because it'll, it's nostalgic sometimes in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. Because you move it to the next one, it also connects. Well, we'll get to that. Worship, it refocuses our intention on who God is. You know, you get those, those moments. I don't know if you have, uh, people call them flagpole moments, or maybe they're anthole moments. So I don't know. But those flagpole moments, those defining moments in your faith, those burning bush moments. And when you celebrate those with song, it's like worship brings you back to that. We're going to sing one song in a moment, The Stand. And if you're a millennial in here that was in the church, you know, 20 years ago, it's going to connect you to 20 years ago, and you're just going to be like, oh, I remember those days. <laughs> it was so good. It's my age. That whole album is like that, by the way. It's very good. Anyhow, it allows us to focus back on God. See, that's what worship does. We remember. So in the moment, all you see is what's causing you pain. You see that sickness. You see that cancer. You see that disease. You see the, the world is going chaotic. You see these changing laws, and it looks like there's no hope for our kids. And then you worship and you remember that this is the same God who created everything with a word. Pretty sure he can handle Trudeau. I don't mean that in a negative way either. I just mean in the, in the very serious way. He can handle him. He can handle the changing school system. He can handle that. He's much bigger than that. He's much bigger than your anxiety. It connects us to whomever or whatever the focus of the music centers on. This is where it can get dangerous. Or can be wonderful. Wonderful or dangerous. Because it will connect you. Like, like that Langer quote, it gives language for your soul. So connects you, connects us to the living God, deepens our relationship with him. Instructs us what's important and how we should respond. And then lastly, it fuels us empathizes and gives us emotional energy. In the sense of worship, it can give you strength to persevere, hardship, prayer, sickness, repentance. Instructs us, it guides us to an appropriate response to God. You know, I was recently going through a, a new song my daughter sent me. She said, can you go through the lyrics? By the way, that's very wise. She's 14, and I'm very impressed that she would ask me for that. I just want to make sure it's good to listen to. Good on you, kid. Anyways, we listened to it together because this guy, is a he's a professing Christian, and so we started listening to the song, and immediately I'm moving, because I love music anyways, but I'm moving, and it's got me. It's very catchy. By the second verse, I'm singing along. Like, it's, you know those songs that you're just like, oh, I get this. This, this one makes sense. But it's doing more than making sense. It's resonating deeply in me. Why? Because he's talking about the struggle with his flesh. And in this case, this guy's clearly got some kind of sexual addiction. I'm not sure, but that's where he's stuck. And you can tell by his lyrics but you can tell that you can feel it in the song. You're with him, right? You're going along the lyrics. So you're like, okay, he's professing. He's talking about his flesh, and hopefully God forgives him. Okay, all right, I, I can kind of get that. But I'm like, we're teetering on a razor's edge here. What's the conclusion? And in the conclusion, if he has to choose between his flesh and truth, he's going to choose his flesh. Like, brothers and sisters, that kind of stuff is, is garbage to your soul. It is poison. It will rob you of your inheritance that is peace that passes understanding. It will rob you blind. And you won't even know why. 
And it's a catchy, when you're listening to it, it almost feels good because it, it jives with a part of you. But you've got to be careful. A part of you is broken. It's a sin nature that needs to die. Don't feed that. Don't feed the part of you that's supposed to die on a cross. Now we've got to move forward because I want to do the practice. You guys ready for the practice? One more I'm not saying, and then we're going to go with what I am saying. I'm not saying avoid all things secular. You're still in a secular world. Don't. And what I am saying, what I am saying is, be careful what you feed on. Don't feed your flesh. That will lead to ruin. Not just talking salvation. I'm talking about your experience here on this earth as an image bearer of God. You feed that flesh instead of putting it on a cross, it will lead to ruin. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. You will live. So, as we're going to do this now, don't worry about your talent and performance, okay? You're like, I'm not a good singer. I don't know if I can sing. That's why I don't sing. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt the person's ears beside me. Sing like you're the only one here. Sing. Who cares? I hope, all, well, maybe the voices will be all perfect in heaven, but I love when I hear someone belting out completely out of tune. I love that. I'm like, God bless you. May I be more like that in my life, in every area. That I'm not so concerned with me that I'm more concerned with who I'm singing to. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about your talent or performance. Focus on Jesus. Let your heart and mind and body glorify God. First song we're going to sing. We're going to sing The Stand. And The Stand, Hill Songs, is all about... So we're going to take a progression. There's three different focuses, three different songs. And The Stand is all about your yes. We've talked lots about that. Right? We're going to look at... We'll start by looking at... This is the God who was before creation. He created all things. He sees your failures. He sees your hardship. He sees that you are but dust. How will you respond? Will you give him your yes? Will you give him an unconditional yes? Will you give him a heart that's abandoned? Matthew 22, 37 to 38. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Do that well. Do that well, and you will have confidence standing before your king. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me, and gave himself for me. So count the cost. Are you willing to give him your yes? Will you trust him with your heart, your fears, your insecurities, your sickness, your failures, you give him your dreams and your hopes. Let's begin. As we go through these, by the way, and just for your posture, you can sing, you can reflect, sing, engage your heart. The point is, use worship as a weapon. Consider the things you see on the screen. Give him your yes. Sing along with the lyrics. Engage your heart with him. However you want to do that, sitting, standing, kneeling, lying on the floor, I don't care. 
we give you our yes, our hearts abandoned. And Lord, we recognize that you are sovereign over all. You are able to. There is not a problem in our lives that you are unable to fix. Lord, there isn't a thing, a government on this earth. There isn't a sickness that we experience, a disease in our soul. There isn't a fear that we have that you are not sovereign over, high above. And so, Lord, we give you our yes. Through the good times and the bad, you get our yes, our unconditional, heart-abandoned yes. Now we're going to focus on the next song. And this next one, we're going to go, for, we started with our response to God. Whether you change my circumstances or not, you are good, I will give you my yes. But now to sustain that yes, we need to look less at our problems and more at who God is. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we see, we need to look at who he is. And for that, we're gonna focus on Waymaker. And I want you to think about the things right now that you might be facing, and maybe it's financial, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, an addiction, it could be an addiction, maybe it's a disease, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's diabetes, maybe it's Maybe it's anxiety or depression. Maybe you're lonely and you're full of despair and you feel like there's no hope in this life. It's just bleak. Or you look at the changing curriculums. I just read something again last week in the Ontario schools and you just think, what hope do our kids have? With the way they're being sexualized and it looks like it's just out of control. Just wanna remind you of who we serve. He is sovereign Lord, King of all kings. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue on heaven and on earth will confess. There isn't, I was, I was listing off a bunch of names, a bunch of things. None of those things are over God's sovereignty. He is over them all. Philippians 2, 10 to 11, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Colossians 1 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, even the bad ones, or rulers or authorities, all things created through him, for him. I want you to reflect on God, your creator. He made you. Close your eyes with me. He is your maker. He made all things. He made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He loved you unto death. We've never seen a love like that before. He is your healer. He is your life. He is your truth. He is your redeemer. He is your savior. He is your Lord. He is your king. And he is good. 
Lord, as we go into this next song now with Waymaker, I know, Lord, there are people in here that have all sorts of different things we've experienced from our past, traumas, unresolved hurts, anxiety. Lord, I ask that you would come and be our healer, that you would heal hearts, that we would be set free from the things that weigh us down, set free to know you more. I pray that you would set us free to praise, set us free to love you, set us free to obey.
stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. You know to the final song we're going to sing Battle Belongs in. As we start in that posture of humility, that's really what we're doing. We're counting the cost. So we say, Lord, whether my life changes in this world or not, standing for you, we recognize, may cost us friends, may cost us things that other people get to enjoy. But we're saying yes to you because you're worth that and more. And Lord, we look to you. You are the way maker. You're not just a promise maker. You keep all your promises. You are true. And so Lord, our response in light of who you are is now to declare that we will not fight the way the world fights. We will not hold on to bitterness. We will not chase after the things of this world. We will not self-medicate our anxiety. We will fight on our knees. We will fight in prayer. We will lift our voices with a joyful sound because you are good.
believe you are worthy. We give you our praise. We thank you that you inhabit our praise. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for this weapon. But mostly, Lord, we thank you for loving us, for drawing us into your presence, for dying for our sins. We thank you that you are sovereign and in control. We thank you for being our king. You are the best king ever. And we long for you to return. So Lord, don't let us forget about this weapon you've given us. May we praise you in the storms of life. May we praise you with our families when we're by ourselves, when we're in the shower. Let us make loud noises, joyful sounds with our lips. And may you be glorified with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, you can head over to the prayer room. After service prayer is for you. Grab it on the way out. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Maranatha.